Let's open our Bibles tonight to John chapter 1. Thank you for coming, and Brother Fury and the folks of this church, thank you for all the work that goes into a meeting like this. It's a wonderful facility. Is this not a great uh, church auditorium? And we could have used a few more bathrooms, but other than that, um, it's been great. Uh, John chapter 1, in your Bible tonight, and I want you to keep your Bible open I want to talk to you for a few minutes, just to, really just a few minutes, um, on the first followers of Jesus. You ever think about the very first followers of Jesus? We're going to look at the first thing that Jesus said in the book of John, and we're going to look at the first people that voluntarily followed the Lord, first ones. Look at John chapter 1 and verse number 35. So John chapter 1. And verse number 35, where the Bible says, again, the the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, this is John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God. Now understand that that would have been shocking. That, That would have been shocking to the contemporary audience. Nobody was looking for a lamb. No, no Jew was looking for a lamb. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a conqueror. They were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for somebody to throw off Roman oppression. Their preconceptions prohibited them from seeing Jesus as what the Old Testament clearly defined that he would be first. And that is the lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. I mean, Isaiah 53 made that abundantly clear. Psalm 22, Psalm 69, the Exodus passages, Christ our Passover. But they didn't see it. They, they couldn't get it. So when John said, behold, look here, the Lamb of God, that was a radical statement. Lambs are docile. Lambs are, are domesticated. Lambs are sacrificial. That's not a king. That's not what we need, so they thought. But John's message was reiterated over and over again. Behold, the Lamb of God. And the Bible says in verse number 36 or 37 that two of his disciples, do you see that? And the two disciples heard him speak. They followed Jesus. They follow, there are the first two. They follow Jesus. Who were they? Well, we know one for sure. His name was Andrew. We know him for sure. The other one, who was it? Probably John. Probably John, the writer of the book of John. Probably the second one. I don't know definitively, but most Bible scholars believe it was for several reasons. First of all, uh, John never referred to himself by name in the book of John. Second of all, too many Uh, important details are given in the story, the time of day, uh, specific details that would be an eyewitness account. Third, uh, Andrew, in the book of John, is uh, is given a a special spot. Uh, Other gospels don't talk about Andrew uh, bringing Peter, Andrew bringing the, the lad with the five loaves and two fishes, or Andrew bringing the Greeks to Jesus in John chapter number 12. It just seems like John talks about that. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were were partners in the fishing industry. And so no doubt Andrew and John knew each other well. Understand that the disciples were not old men. Sometimes we get the idea that the disciples were in their 30s or 40s, but uh, the disciples were no doubt very young men. 
It was very typical for a rabbi to have followers that would be younger than he. And so if that be the case, Jesus had 12 disciples. And if most of them, if not all of them, were younger than Jesus, then John, no doubt, was among the youngest. Now, why do you know that? Because John wrote the book of Revelation in about 90 AD, after 90. And so John lived many, many years beyond the death of Jesus. John probably was a teenager. John probably was 16, 70, 18 years of age when he followed the Lord, probably. It was permissible for one to follow a rabbi from age 15 on. But whatever the age, here we have Andrew, probably John, following Jesus, the very first followers of Jesus. Look at verse number 38. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? There are the first words that Jesus speaks in the grand gospel of John. And the big question that Jesus asks his first followers, and I think it's a question he asks all followers, is what do you want? What, what do you want? Like, why are you here? Who, who asked you to follow me? What, why did you come to a, a men's conference? What, why did you take this time out of your schedule? Why are you sitting in this room? Well, what are you doing here? I think it's the question, not that I'm asking. I think it's the question that Jesus asks you today. Yeah, well, what are you doing here? Well, what are you after? What are you hoping to accomplish in your life tonight? What, what is that? And, and watch the answer that the first follower, the first followers gave Jesus. Look, look at it. Well, what, what seek ye, said Jesus. Uh, they, they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted, Master. We would say today, teacher, watch this, where dwellest thou? It doesn't sound like an answer to the question. You know, what do you want? Well, where, 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 do you, where are you staying? It seems almost like a non sequitur. Well, what do you want? Well, where are you staying? It, it's almost like, have you ever approached somebody and said, hey, what, what's wrong? What, what's wrong? And they said, well, do you have time? Do you have time? That's what they're saying. What seek you? Well, where, where are you dwelling? We, we need time. We, we need to stay with you. We, we need to investigate. And by the way, that's what Jesus wants. He, he wants us to seek him volitionally. He, he wants to take that time with us. He wants us to sit at his feet. Truth, truth never fears inspection. Truth invites questions. And so, Jesus, where dwellest thou? And I love the fact that uh, Jesus takes them to where he is. Look, look at verse number uh, 39. He saith unto them, I love this, come and see. Aren't you glad that we have a Savior that says come? But he says come and see. And the word see, here's the word harao. It means uh, to stare. It's not, not a superficial glance. Sometimes I, I think we're guilty of, of taking a superficial glance at Jesus. Just a, a cursory look. And yet the Bible says, no, no, come, come and, and, and look. Come, come and stare. Come and experience. Come, come and consider. Look, look at me, because the, the, deep, the more deeply you look at Jesus, the more true you'll see him to be. Yeah, the more deeply you look at me, the more disappointed you'll be. Boy, the more you magnify the mirror on my face, the more craters you'll see. 
But I'll tell you what, the more deeply you look at Jesus, you'll find he's altogether lovely. So he says, come and see. Now watch what it says. Come and see, and they came and saw. Don't you love them? Come and see, and they came and saw. And they came and saw, well, the Bible says, where uh, he went, dwelt, and they abode with him that day. Now watch this, for it was about the 10th hour. Now I know that we don't reckon time that way anymore, but the 10th hour starting with the first hour of the day, 6 a.m., would be 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's the time you come in from the field. That's the time you punch out of the shift. That's the time you get ready for dinner. That's the time you get ready to retire. And so when they went there that night, it's time now to sit. It's time now to talk. It's time now to consider the claims of Jesus. I mean, John's been pointing at him. John's been pointing at him, but now they're sitting with him themselves. Are you listening, teenagers? Your dad, your mom, your pastor's been pointing at him, but there's a time for you to consider him yourself. That's what's happening here. Look at verse number 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He, Andrew, first, that's priority, he first findeth his own brother, Simon, saith to him, we found the Messiah. I mean, think about that. Hey, we found the Messiah. We found, and no doubt Simon's thinking, oh, right. I mean, no more Rome, no more tax, no more centurions, no more Herod. I mean, this is going to be awesome. We found Messiah. We found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. You know that. Christ is the New Testament word of the Old Testament counterpart, Messiah, the anointed one. Now, last verse I'll read. Look at verse number 42. And he, that's Andrew, he brought him to Jesus. It wasn't enough that he told them about Jesus, but there's an added verb here. He brought him. He brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, thou art Simon. I mean, that was his given name. That's what everybody called him. Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Sometimes you'll see Simon bar Jonah. Simon bar Jonah. Bar means son of. So Simon bar Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. He, he said, he looked at him and said, I, I know who you are. By the way, Jesus knows who you are too. He knows your name and he knows where you came from. Simon, uh, thou son of Jonah, the son of Jonah, watch this. Thou shalt be called Cephas. Is it not interesting? The very first thing that Jesus says to uh, Peter is, uh, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you something you've never been called before. And it gives him the Aramaic name Cephas which means a stone. Matter of fact, the Bible says that. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now, the Greek counterpart of the Aramaic word Cephas is the word Peter or Petros. We know that word. So Simon, Peter, Simon, Cephas, same thing. You're going to be called this. What in the world can we learn from the first followers of Jesus? And how in the world can we leave this place tonight in just a few short minutes, and be better followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to answer that question. Oh, God, we need your help tonight. I pray that you would do a work on the inside that only you can do. Lord, I pray that the distractions of the hour, the things that would so easily cloud our minds, Lord, that you would remove all of it. 
And, oh, Lord, for just these minutes, would you help us to zone in on this, your word. Please, God, bless, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you notice with me quickly the recurrence of a few words and phrases? Would you, first of all, look at the word find? Would you look at verse number 41? Verse number 41. Well, the Bible says, he first, watch this, findeth his own brother Simon. And watch this. He saith unto him, we have found the Messiah. Twice in one verse. He finds Simon because he found Jesus. I love that. Look, look at verse number 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. Uh, Andrew found Messiah. He found Simon. Jesus found Philip. Look at verse number 45. And Philip findeth Nathanael. I love that. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Find, 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 find. Find, 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 find. You know, that's so important that we find Jesus. Matter of fact, I'll ask you this question. Have you found Jesus? Has there been a time and place in your life when you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior? Because I'm not going to assume tonight that every man in this room knows Christ. Have you found him? Because he is, ready for this, he is findable. He is knowable. Now, no man seeks after God naturally, but the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. And God's prevenient grace has given all of us the opportunity to find him. Find, 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 and find. But watch the second word that we see in the text. Not only the word find recurring, but notice if you would verse number 37. Well, the Bible says that two disciples heard him speak, and, and they, watch the verb here, and they followed. Don't you love that? They followed Jesus. Look at verse number 38. And Jesus turned and saw them following and saith to them, Look at verse number 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And then look look at verse number 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. Do you think that's a mistake that we see find, 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 and then we see follow, 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 follow. Why? Because when you find Jesus, you ought to follow Jesus. He's not just an accoutrement on your spiritual journey. He's not just somebody on the shelf on Sundays. He is findable, and he ought to be followable. Find and follow. But there's a third phrase. I love this one the most. Watch what it says in verse number 39. He saith unto them, you saw it already. He saith unto them, come and see. Come and see. But that's not the only place that verse is found. Look at verse number 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we we found him. He finds, he found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael said, can can there any good thing come out of, please, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth, that little, dry, dusty, 300-inhabited city, uh, village? Come on. And I like what Philip says. Philip saith unto him, uh, come and see. And Jesus said, come and see. 
Philip said, come and see. And I really think the implication is that Andrew said, come and see. Even though the words weren't used, look at what it says in verse uh, number 42. Where the Bible says, he brought him to Jesus. Now, he already told him. We, we found the Messiah. He already told him. But that wasn't enough. He brought him to Jesus. In other words, uh, I told you, but now I want you to come and see. Now I want you to come and see. He dragged them to Jesus. I love that. I love my good friend, Kenny Baldwin. He talked about being a drug baby. He said, I'm a drug baby. My parents drugged me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm a drug baby. And Andrew's dragging Peter to Jesus. First followers. I want to give you some principles tonight that I think will help you. I know they've helped me about how to be an effective first follower of Jesus. Find him, follow him, and tell everyone you know, come and say. Find him, follow him, and tell everyone you know, come and see. That's the message. Find him, follow him, and tell everyone you know, come and see. Now watch how these men did it in John chapter 1. First of all, I want us to see the testimony of John the Baptist. Now, I know technically he's not following Jesus insofar that he's walked, walking after where Jesus goes, but he is the forerunner. He is the burning and shining light. He is the greatest born of woman. He is the voice crying in the wilderness. He is the one that's pointing people to Jesus Christ. So in that sense, I'll call him also a follower, a first follower of Jesus. Now, think about this. What did John teach us? What do we learn about the ministry of John the Baptist? Because there he is the day before, Lamb of God, Lamb of God. But now the next day, he's there with two disciples, and he says, there he is. Behold, there he is, the Lamb of God. And they follow him. So what was it about John that made others follow Jesus? What is it about you that makes people follow Jesus? Or how about a better question? Is there anything about you that makes people follow Jesus? That's a pretty convicting question. And so what was it about John that made people follow Jesus? I think, first of all, uh, follow implies that John's message had to be believable. John's message had to be, there. in other words, John had to have credibility. There had to be something about John's life that made him believable. See, I think sometimes uh, in our Christian parenting, sometimes in our Christian schools, sometimes in our youth groups, sometimes even in our pulpits, we're the boy who cried wolf. And we don't really believe what we're saying. And there's no convincing credibility to the way that we're living so that when we say, behold, the Lamb of God, it's just blah, 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 Charlie Brown's teacher and the uh, ears of our listeners. And when John said, hey, behold, look there, the Lamb of God, they followed him. Why? Because he preached a message that was believable. For people to follow Jesus, the message has to be believable. Watch this. And you touched on it, my brother. But to follow Jesus, your ministry actually has to shrink. For there to be followers of Jesus, that means that we need to have a sending mindset. And John was willing to let his disciples, these that had followed him, these that were supporting him, these that had attached themselves to his ministry, he was willing to let them go because a greater than I is here. I'm not worthy to unlatch his shoe latches. They're following him. I wonder, who's leaving your church to follow him? Who's leaving your church to go to regions beyond? There's a church back home, Brother Jake, that you're leaving to come up here. They've got one less tither. I hope you tithe. One less tither that he's up here. Now, why? That's what ought to happen. 
for, for, for Jesus to be followed, ministries actually have to get smaller sometimes. I like what the disciples of John came to John in chapter 3. They said, John, we've got a problem. John said, what is it? Here's the problem. You know, the one that you're pointing to, the Lamb of God, Jesus, well, he's got some disciples now, and they're baptizing, and wouldn't you know, they are baptizing more than we are. Their ministry, their church is going fast. We started our church first. Their church is bigger. This is not right. We were fine with Jesus' ministry as long as it was smaller than ours. What did John say? John said, That's, I'm, just a friend. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. When the wedding has been announced and the bridegroom has come uh, to, to call for his bride, then the best man kind of steps out of the way. It's not about him. It's not about him. It's about the bridegroom. He must increase. I must. Talk to me, man. I must Decrease meant decease. It didn't matter because it was about him. I think sometimes our ministry is about us. My name, my picture, my reputation. Let's make our ministries about Jesus again. And let's rejoice when people leave our ministry to follow him in ways that they could not have followed just staying in our church. We ought to be a sending agency. The message had to be believable. The ministry had to shrink. And the claims of John had to be investigated. For people to follow Jesus, then the claims of John, there had to come a day and time when the followers of Jesus had to find out for themselves. There had to come a day and time when a son had to find out what a dad believed. And couldn't just take, uh, they couldn't just take John's word for it. I think sometimes as parents, we just want our kids to take our word for it. Hey, there comes a day when kids get skeptical, and that's not always a bad thing. You know why? Because when they get skeptical and run to Jesus, Jesus can answer those questions. Don't be afraid of the truth of Christ. I'll just say to you young men tonight, you did a great job listening earlier, did a super job listening, but you're going to have to find out all by yourself who you are in Christ. You're going to find out all by yourself what the Bible says and who Jesus is and is heaven real and is hell real and is it worth it. And by the way, it is, but don't take my word for it. Take his. Take his. Find out the first followers of Jesus. Number one, John the Baptist. Number two, Andrew. We saw it. We read it a moment ago. Find, follow, come and see. Find, follow, come and see. Hey, that's really a simple Christian life. Find, follow, come and see. Hey, here's a woman at the well. She found him. She was willing to follow him. She went back to a town and said, come, see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Find, follow, come and see. Here's a maniac at Gadara, boy, seated and clothed in his right mind. I want to go with you. I want to follow. Jesus said, no, go home to thy friends and show them what great things the Lord hath done for thee. He hath had compassion on thee. And he published in all the capitalists. What Jesus had done. Why? Because you find and you follow and you come and see. Where are you at in that triad? Have you found him tonight? Are you following him tonight? Not afar off. Uh, Not in a denying way. Are you following? Are you hard after Christ tonight? I mean, you're in the book. 
Day by day, you're on your knees. Day by day, I mean, you love him. You want to represent him. Are you telling people, hey, come and see. Come and see the one that changed my life. You might think I'm a little bit different at work. You might think I'm a little bit odd, but let me just, uh, let me just come and see. I-, I can't argue with all your theological questions, Philip said. But Nathaniel, just come and see. Just come and see. I promise you, he will not disappoint you. When's the last time you just said, come and see? My next door neighbor, across the street neighbor, I just moved into the neighborhood some years ago. And just like we've done with every neighborhood, we just began to pray. Oh, God, help us to start here. Oh, God, this neighborhood, this cul-de-sac, this is our Jerusalem. My wife's way better than I am at it. Baking cookies and cooking lunch and helping out and being a blessing and and talking and inviting and, and little, little prayer and little, 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 little uh, incremental places. And until finally, uh, across the street, Mary comes and across the street, then Lloyd comes. And, and boy, she gets saved and she joins the church. And, and next door, uh, that's the party crowd. And uh, get your car off my lawn. But I didn't say it. I wanted to say it. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, old Keo, but he, he, he's never been married. He's got a, a son that's 15 years old. And he's got a son by another woman that's two years old. And his life's a mess. But I'm going to tell you something. He got saved September 11th this past year. And man, he got baptized. And he's in church every single day. And he looks at me as his best friend. I'm telling you something. He's wrong because Jesus is his best friend. I just got the chance to say, come and see. Keo, your life's a mess, but he deals in messes. I'm telling you, it looks like a dead-end road. But I'm telling you what, you just look at the smile on his face. That's our job. Find him. Follow him. Come and see. Andrew made a powerful discovery. He made a powerful discovery. He went, he, he, this is Jesus. One conversation. Yeah, John, everything you told me. Hey, mom, dad. Hey, pastor, everything you told me. All those Sunday school classes. Uh, uh, that, all those youth group meetings. And when, when, when I, I just thought it was, oh, that's just what mom believes. But I found out all by myself. I, I mean, I spent some time with him. I made a powerful discovery that he's the Messiah. And I had to go tell my brother. I had to find him first. Hey, Simon, guess what? We have found him powerful discovery I wonder have you made that powerful discovery I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also the Greek but therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith I mean faith from start to finish from faith to faith as it's written the just shall live by faith that's Andrew he made a powerful discovery he made a personal decision Faith and facts aren't mutually exclusive. It wasn't just some feeling, some emotional time. It wasn't just some kind of a a buzz through my body. No, he found out Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is God. He is all. He is the Word in the beginning. uh, It was the Word. The Word was with God. He is eternal God. He is the Logos. He's the reason. Uh, He's the the intelligent design. But that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And yes, He's all God, but He's all man. He's not half God, half man. He didn't just appear to be a man. I mean, he's all God, all man. The facts aligned with my faith. He made a personal decision. Have you discovered who Jesus is? Andrew did. It was a powerful discovery. Andrew did. It was a a personal decision. Andrew did. Listen to this. It was a prioritized 
declaration. I mean, it was first findeth. I think we begrudgingly sometimes tell the people about the Lord. I think sometimes in, in guilt or almost uh, as an afterthought, we maybe slip out a gospel tract. Let me ask you a question. Where is the priority of the gospel in your life? Remember when you first got saved? I'm talking to some of you older ones. Remember when you first got saved and you were so effusive? Remember you had to tell people? It's like every single conversation. I'm glad you said cheeseburger because that reminds me of Jesus. Remember those days? <laughs> Am I right? It's like everything, you made a beeline for Jesus. Where is that? What happened? Because Andrew first findeth his own brother Simon. He found him. Who, who are you finding? Because finding breeds finding. Finding breeds finding. If you found Jesus, you're going to find somebody else. If you're not finding other people, did you really find Jesus? Because everybody in the Bible, Brother Al, everybody in the Bible that got it went out to find somebody. Everybody. You show me one person in the New Testament that found it that didn't go out and find somebody. I'm just telling you, that's the way, that's New Testament Christianity. Don't tell me about the stuffy breed of Christianity that stuffs itself in a church and looks down on everybody else. Get out in the highways and hedges and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. That's why Jake's here. What good is it for Jake to be here if we're not doing our job here? Come and see. Find. Follow. Come and see. There's a last person that's mentioned here in our text. And it's interesting because he's the guy that always talks. He's the guy that always sticks his foot in his mouth. He's the guy that has a mouth that works twice as fast as his brain. And yet in John 1, he says nothing. Andrew says some things. John says some things. Philip says some things. Nathaniel says some things. Peter doesn't say anything. But Jesus has some things to say about him. So for just a minute or two, and we're done, I don't want you to say anything. But let Jesus say some things about you. Would you look at it in closing? Look at verse number 41. He first findeth his own brother Simon. He saith unto him, we, we, we found the Messiah. I think it was with great excitement, which is being interpreted to Christ. Watch verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he says, that thou, art, thou art Simon, the son of I know who you are. I've always known who you, who you are. I know everything about you. Thou, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas. Can I just say this? Jesus has the prerogative to redefine you. That's his authority. He, he, he created you. He is creator God. He, he redeemed you. He is our redemption. And he has every right and every prerogative to redefine your life. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. When people discover God in a fresh way, he loves to redefine them. You say, well, 
I could never serve God. You're right. You never could. But remember what Samuel said to Saul? When the Spirit of God comes upon you, thou shalt be turned into another man. So another man can. You can't, but another man can. And that other man can be you, Christ in you. Now, I'm not going to call you Jacob anymore, said God. I'm going to call you Israel. I have the prerogative to redefine you. I'm not going to call you Abram anymore. I'm going to call you Abraham. Why? Because I have the prerogative to redefine you. And our name is our reputation. And some of you have a bad one. You have a reputation of dishonesty or, or laziness or, or vacillation. But I'm telling you, this Jesus can redefine you. That's a wonderful thing. But not only does Jesus have the prerogative to redefine us, I think, secondly, uh, he has the power to remake us. He doesn't just call those things which be not as though they were, but whatever, wherever God guides, he provides. And wherever God leads, uh, God, uh, he, he feeds. And uh, God, God will never ask you to do something that he can't, by his grace, make you to do. Isn't it interesting? I'm working on my doctorate right now uh, through... through um, uh, an online doctorate through, through Liberty University. And I don't even know why I'm doing it. I just, I, why did I do this? But I'm so close to finishing now, I'm going to finish. You say, well, do you want people to call you doctor? No, I really don't. Matter of fact, I don't want you to call me, even call me nurse. Don't call me LPN, RN. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, I could care less. But is that not how the world works, Brother Wall? The, the, the world, the way we do it, is we work, 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 get a title. We work, 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 get status. But that's not how God works. That's not how grace works. No, here's how grace works. You don't work. He worked, 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 work. Going down Calvary's road, he worked, worked, work, work. It's finished. He did the work. And you get the grace. You get the title. You're the son of God. Then he says, now live like it. He gives you the title, and then he gives you a spirit so that you can live like the title he gave you. Boy, that's so opposite. So he has the prerogative to redefine us. He has the power to remake us. And then finally, and you've listened so well, honestly, you've listened so well, Jesus has the patience to mature us. Guess what? When Jesus gets involved in your life, he's in. And I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. No, I'm not going to do it. And he that began a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Be patient. God is not finished with me yet. And God is working on your life. He said, Peter, you're a rock. A rock? Peter was anything but a rock. Rocks are steady. Rocks are foundational. Rocks are unchanging. And Peter was none of that. Jesus said, I'm going to make you all of that. And he became a rock. And later in his life, just near his death, he wrote some letters. And in those letters, he said to, uh, to his people, he said, Ye also, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, Ye also, as, as lively, uh, what metaphor can I use that will help them to understand? Ye also, as lively stones, are built up together a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. But the rock got it, didn't he? And then 1 Peter chapter 5 the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. God made him a shepherd. He said, I'm a shepherd. Now you be a shepherd. Amen. That's the way it works. Right, 
Why? Because we find him. And then we follow him. And then we tell everyone around us, come and see. Come and see. Come see what Jesus can do in your life. It is absolutely stunning what he can do. So Matthew uh, Emmons was an Olympian from the United States. He attended the Olympic Games in Athens, 2004. He was the, uh, the guy with the rifle that they call it the three-position event where you, you fire from a standing position and you fire from a, a kneeling position and you fire from a prone position. Nobody was better than Matthew Emmons. Nobody. 23 years old, accountant background, but the guy just never missed. And so it was in the 2004 Athens Olympics that they got to the final round, and Brother Al, he was so far ahead that you couldn't lose. He finished that final shot, the target came down, and boom, he hit the bullseye. And in his own heart and mind, he thought, I have just won the Olympic Games. But the score didn't come up immediately, and he was a little bit puzzled by that. He he noticed the people gathering and the judges talking, and they had a concerned look on their faces, and he wondered what it was about. Finally, he learned that his score was a zero. Zero. I, I hit the target. I hit the bullseye. And then it was revealed to him. Matthew, you shot at the wrong target. Matthew had never done that since the age of 14. had never done that. Every time he fires, he always puts his scope on the number that tells you what the target is and drops down to the bullseye. He always identifies the target before he shoots. But in this one instance, with overconfidence, he didn't identify the target. He just shot. And one of the greatest tragedies of life is when we hit the bullseye on the wrong target. Could it be tonight, men, that we're here and we're successful and our 401K is looking good and we just got the promotion, the family seems to be intact, and I'm in church. What's your target? Can we get back to the place in our life where our target is Jesus Christ. I want to know him. I want to find him. I want to follow him. And I want to tell people about him. How about it? Firing at the right target. Father, thank you for these men. Lord, for their kind attention, for their investment in this conference. Not just a financial investment, but the time the distance, a million things that could have prevented them coming, and yet, Lord, here they are. And Lord, tonight, for a moment, would you just help us to identify ourselves? Lord, we know that we don't have the ability to even see our own hearts, so I'm asking for a special grace by your Holy Spirit just to show us us. Search us, O Lord. Know our hearts. Try us. Know our thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in us. Lead us in the way everlasting. Oh, God, tonight, please.
our heads are bowed for a moment, our eyes are closed. We're not going to belabor an invitation, but we're going to have one. Because I feel like God's honored when his word is preached that the hearts of men are brought to a place of decision. Could it be tonight that you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And if you were to die today, let the 19-year-old boy of my good friend Matt Goins, who died this past Tuesday, could it be that you don't know Christ? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would there be a man or a teenage boy in this room that would say, Pastor Skelly, I'm not for sure that if I die today, I would go to heaven. I'm not sure that I'm saved Would you please pray for me? No one's looking. Save me. I would love to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up right now and put up good and high? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Who else, guys? God bless you, my friend, and God bless you. Who else tonight? That's me. I need to find Jesus. I need to find him. Would you join these six or seven right now? Six or seven right now. Would you do that? Just lift it up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Let me pray for you. Father, would you bless these? I saw six, maybe seven. Oh, God, would you bless these men, a couple boys? Oh, God, tonight, would you give them courage, unusual, God-given courage to make a decision for Jesus tonight, an intelligent, Bible-informed decision for Christ Oh, God, tonight, may this be their night, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder how many men would say, you know, Brother Skelly, I am saved. I know the Lord is my Savior, but I just don't think I've been following him like I should. You talked about come and see. I I can't honestly even remember the last person that I had a, a burden for to say, come, come and see. There are people in my family I've stopped praying for. There are neighbors I've, I've just overlooked. There's coworkers I've never one time. And, and I'm not trying to beat you up tonight. This is all of us. This is all of us. To some degree, this is all of us. But you'd say, Brother Skelly, tonight God has spoken to my heart about following and come and see. And would you just pray that God would give me some, some courage and grace to follow through? I want to be a come and see Christian. If that's you tonight, would you lift your hand up good and high all across the room? All across the room? All across the room? That's so many of us. Many of us. Most of us. You may lower your hands. I'd like to take two minutes right now. Brother Calvin, if you would, just start playing the piano. Can we stand together? You raised a hand as a Christian. I want to be a come and see Christian. Would you come to this altar right now? Spend a moment with the Lord. Come on, right now. Just come right now. Lord, I want to be that follower, that finder. You raised a hand for salvation. Would you come? I've got somebody to talk to you right now. Raise your hand for salvation. You come shake my hand. If you raise your hand for salvation, I want you to come just shake my hand. Right down front. 